This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Morning, everyone. Happy Hump Day and welcome to the News Agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by the Mirror's Northwest correspondent, Holly Bone. Good morning, Holly. Hello. Hello, everyone. Hello. So uh, this is the People's Pay-Per-View, remember? So get into the comments, ask us your questions uh, on whatever's burning a hole in your head. Uh, those of you listening later on podcast are just going to have to count the hours until the next pancake day instead. There's a lot of them, I'm afraid. So what have we got for you today? Well, the Mirror has splashed on a special dispatch from our defence reporter, Chris Hughes, on the anniversary of the invasion of Ukraine. He's in Kyiv and reporting on what's happened to the city and its people since Putin turned his tanks towards it. And then, of course, his tanks were turned away again. It's very gripping and well worth your time to read if you can spare time for that today. But... On page two, there's something a bit closer to home, and the Royal College of Nursing has called off its next planned strike. Hooray! Because, wait for it now, the government has agreed to negotiate on a pay deal. Now, this comes, Holly, after the Health Secretary, Steve Barclay, refused point blank to discuss pay under any conditions. So something's clearly changed. Do you think that the government has been worn down? Are they getting to the point where they just they have to settle it? I think it's coming down to their reputation, isn't it? I mean, ultimately, everybody has to use the health service at some point. Um, We've just come out of the back of a global pandemic. Many people lost loved ones. And the reality of needing the NHS um, really shone through for for everybody during that time. So I think that, you know, this is an issue that is close to everybody's heart, no matter what your political views are. And now the government just have to own it and and pay these people a fair wage. I mean, some of the horror stories that have come out when we've spoken to nurses on picket lines are just disgusting. I mean, the fact that they, you know, stand on these picket lines all day and then at the end of it can't even afford to put the heating on um, or have a hot meal is is just heartbreaking. Yeah, no, it's not what um, anyone really once is it if you're if you're being treated by somebody it's oh, i think i heard someone i think you heard frankie Boyle say the other day the last person you want to be checking your prostate or something is someone who's doing it resentfully you want <laughs> someone who's doing it in a happy and uh, and well-funded mood um but perhaps the government is just doing this for the look of the thing what do you think everybody do you think the government is genuinely got to the point where they realize that paying nurses is a win-win you know, it keeps the voters happy. It makes the government look good. It increases the take for the tax man. About 80 percent of every pay rise in the public sector comes back to the Treasury somehow. It 
feeds the economy, it grows things. It's very beneficial to do. Have they realised this? Have they come to that sort of Damascus moment and, uh, and decided that's the best thing to do? Or is this just we're going to look like we're talking to them because we have to um, and there's no way we're paying them what they want, but we're going to find a way that they have to walk out of negotiations and it looks bad on them, perhaps, if you're being cynical. That's what some people might suggest. Um, and it, it does look like, although they've you know delayed this next strike, it, the future strikes aren't completely off. It's got to be said. So uh, get into the comments, everybody, and tell us what you think. Is this genuine negotiation on part of the government or are they just doing it for the look of the thing? Because like you said, Holly, the, the general public are actually they've been very supportive of the nurses striking and that public support hasn't gone away. So the government, you know, the, the current tactic of just ignoring it and blaming militants just really hasn't worked, is it? No, not at all. Um, I mean, I think one of the things that's really interesting that was sort of said during the strikes was that the government actually admitted that it was cheaper for them to let the strikes roll on. And and that is, I mean, it's just such an outrageous um, viewpoint to take to allow these people to uh, miss out on um, a day's pay. You know, they're, they, we've got to remember here that whilst they're obviously um, fighting for their cause, they're actually um, losing a day's pay when they go on strike so their financial situation becomes even harder but they take that hit because they're doing it for the collective good of the NHS and they're not just doing it for themselves they're doing it for patients as well and patient safety I mean so much of this I know that the debate is a lot around pay but so much of this is actually around patient safety and making sure that the the hospitals we go to we actually can be seen within a reasonable amount of time and that the nurses aren't so stretched that there could be developments in our own health issues that mean that we uh, you know at the worst die or um, our uh, situation becomes um, even more complicated so you know we really need to start taking these people seriously when they say that and I definitely think that that, that the government needs to, to, to recognize that this is not just about pay this is about everybody exactly now mike says i think this week's announcement of a government surplus because of increased tax take has taken away their we can't afford it narrative that's entirely possible um it, it does make things more difficult for them but i think as well part of the issue may well be that because junior doctors have voted to go out on strike recently their union is now uh in talks with other unions to coordinate those strikes at the same kind of time to have the maximum impact. And that means that on that page there on page two, it's showing that right down the bottom, the NHS is now saying that elective surgery is just going to have to get cancelled on strike days because when before the nurses were out on strike, but the junior doctors weren't, there was someone to pick up the slack when uh, there was someone on the picket lines. Now they're not going to have that. And the elective surgery, the things like a replacement knee and so on, which are life changing, but not life threatening, are just not going to happen. And the, the queues are only going to, the waiting lists are only going to grow for that. So let's hope that the negotiations are genuine and honest and uh, there is some kind of movement uh, in terms of offering a, a better pay deal for nurses. We'll have to see, won't we? Um, but now we need to go back to Lancashire. Because that's where Holly has been covering the disappearance of Nicola Bully for the past three weeks now, three and a half. Now, even though they found a body in the river this week, and even though it was confirmed uh, as Nicola, and even though her family and the village have, as a whole have asked now really to be left in peace, 
there's still a lot of TikTok conspiracy theories doing the rounds. And I assume some people are not leaving the village. So, Holly, take us through this. What's happening there now? Well, the atmosphere in the village, um, as you can probably imagine, is is very sad. Um, it's very it's a sombre atmosphere because throughout all of this the family the locals uh, friends of Nicola were holding on to hope that she might still be out there um you know that she might one day come home and listen to their appeals um now the bridge where near to where she disappeared where messages of hope were attached on yellow ribbons flowers being left there People are sharing their own, um, you know, heartfelt memories and and happy, you know, happy memories with Nicola, basically. Um, and the missing posters have come down. They were plastered all over the village, um, even out of the village into nearby villages. But obviously, they've all had to come down. And we've got to remember as well that Nicola's family, her children, her partner Paul, will have to drive through that village, um, you know, daily to drop the kids off at school you know perhaps go pick up supplies from the supermarket so they don't want to be seeing those those posters anymore um which is obviously why they've come down um and um it's it's just an extremely tragic and sad conclusion to what was always um you know a, a very concerning story but the fact that these conspiracy theories uh, you know are still being fed on TikTok and and social media um, it's just shocking really I mean throughout covering this case people like you say have been turning up at the scene treating it almost like a dark tourism hotspot you know this is the bench where Nicola Bully was last seen um, some people have been taking their kids to have picnics there which I just can't understand for the life of me mm-hmm. um, and and yeah I mean I, the, the latest is that I I personally haven't seen that many uh, TikTokers there uh, recently, but there have been some people still with GoPros and things, you know, walking along the banks of the river, and you just think, what what are you here for? Yeah, what what more can there can there be to do? I mean, some of the conspiracy theories which are outlined are on that spread there talking about it are claiming that um, it wasn't Nicola found in the river, perhaps. Um, that uh, there's old drone footage of the river and that you can clearly see something there and there isn't anything there to be seen. Um, Suggestions that, you know, um, perhaps she wasn't in the river all along and was murdered and put there later. Stuff that there's no way these people can possibly know or that that just don't have any foundation in truth. Now, I suppose the the question is that um, these people just won't let go obviously some of them, Holly, uh, are they chasing clicks sort of cynically to do this or are they a bit fixated? Are they, do they genuinely believe something was amiss here with either Nicola's disappearance or the police didn't find her body or something? I mean, are they sick or are they a bit twisted? What's, what's your reading of the situation? I think it's both. Um, and I'll give a little bit of an explanation to that for people who who, who might not be as familiar with um, social media and how it works. Obviously, you've got algorithms. Um, the more popular your videos are, the more uh, likes they get or um, reposts, depending on what one we're talking about, the more they will appear in somebody else's feed. Um, so you can actually monetize your content on TikTok and YouTube. You can make money from it. So there are um, urban explorers and things like that that will go into, um, say, like abandoned buildings and they'll film themselves doing that. And because they get 
thousands, perhaps millions of views, they can actually um, take money from YouTube advertising during their clips that they upload to YouTube, for example. So it's actually in their interests to go out and make content. So in some cases, yes, people are benefiting from sharing content and spreading these conspiracy theories about Nicola and actually going, in some cases, going down to the scene, trespassing. Um, some people have even um, been arrested and are facing criminal charges as a result of this. Um, but the other uh, side of that is that there are some people who unfortunately do read this and do believe this. And that's as a, that's because of how we consume news on things like TikTok. I think in that spread, it actually explains that the majority of people who consume their news on TikTok are not doing it from news sources. So it's coming from their friends friends, their um, people that they follow, they choose to follow, and they could themselves be these conspiracy theorists that I was talking about before that are actually monetizing their content and, you know, serve to benefit from spreading lies. Um, and as a result of that, they are actually consuming misinformation, and they could genuinely believe these conspiracy theories about Nicola. I mean, conspiracy theories, I accept that in some cases, they can be quite exciting, you know, to think that, you know, perhaps the moon landings didn't happen, or, you know, to live in a fantasy world where you believe that the world is actually flat. That can be quite, you know, exciting if you're a sort of a bit of a fantasist type character person. But ultimately, the danger is when these conspiracy th theories are talking about real people like Paul Ansel, who loved Nicola, loves her and has two children with her, that is extremely hurtful to suggest that in any way that he was involved in some kind of wrongdoing and it's completely defamatory. So, mm. you know, these, these TikTokers are spreading things that are completely misinformed and completely unregulated. Yeah, and there's, this is part of the trouble, isn't it? Anyone who's using these platforms, us now on here, the people who are commenting on this, we're all publishers. And that means everybody's got the same legal responsibilities as, say, the publisher of the Daily Mirror. And you have the same chances of being taken to court if you break the Contempt of Court Act or you defame somebody or something else. But if there's 34 million people viewing things about Paul on TikTok, which aren't true, and there's, let's say, you know, 100 accounts that are talking about this, the chances of him being able to sue the 100 people behind those accounts is next to none, isn't it? Mm. Um, and there's no way really for the government to regulate it. So, I mean, what do you think, everybody? Get into the comments. Do you think that these um, TikTokers are doing a public service? Do you think they have helped to expose some kind of wrongdoing? Have you been following it? Are you shocked by it? Do you think they need to somehow regulate all this and make it a little bit safer and more reasonable? Um, because part of the problem that you're talking about there, Holly, about how exciting it can be and um, is that you get into this perpetuating, self-perpetuating kind of cycle, which is that if you if you think something or you, you look at a video which says, well, maybe there's something amiss here with Nicola's disappearance, you then get shown other videos that are very similar. And then you start to think that there's a big whole underworld here of there's loads of stuff that no one's telling you. But actually, it's the algorithm feeding you because you've had this one video that you saw and liked or something. And so you're getting more and more stuff. And then that keeps kind of almost confirming to you that there is a problem with Nicola's disappearance. And it's not all what you're hearing elsewhere. And this is therefore the only reliable source. And because there's so many people saying it and so many other people liking it, that it kind of justifies it. And then you get in this 
because you're being confirmed in what it is that you've 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 decided is true it um it just keeps um reinforcing the the conspiracy in your head and makes you feel that you are part of a group and a team and all these other things that people find very addictive don't they Absolutely. I mean, just to talk about some of the content that is actually going out there. I mean, I remember I saw one video the other day of somebody um, who turned up, turned up at the scene and found like a soft layer of mud, right? And was convinced that this somehow meant, this was before um, Nicola's body was found, but thought, thought that this soft layer of mud was suspicious. And I mean, the, the comments, you know, everybody was convinced that somehow there was a body buried underneath this, you know, there must be an explanation. And this, ex the only explanation was, was that somebody had been buried and underneath this, you know, top layer of, of soft mud. And I was just thinking there could be a million explanations as to why there is a, a layer of soft mud, you know. In I mean, a, in it's, a it's Lancashire in February. The whole I place know. is a layer of mud. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah it's it, it is crazy um it's it's just stupid and i think you know ultimately uh the, the other thing that we need to say here as well is that whilst you know people are asking questions about why did it take so long to find nicola and why was she found a mile away from where she was last seen we need to remember here that this is a river you know there are an infinite number of variables and this will come out i mean i'm sure that that you know the police are facing a lot of questions about their investigation and how they handled certain things but ultimately you can you can't judge perfectly uh, the variables of a river and whilst there are previous cases to go by I mean I think there was a, a young boy 16 years old who 45 years ago had um, entered the same river and, and wasn't found until weeks months later um, but you know the, the thing is is that the river was in flood at that time 45 years ago and there are so many different things it relies on the weather the currents you know the mm. weight of the person and so many other things the clothing that they are wearing when they're in, when they enter the river so all all of these conspiracy theories and questions about you know why was she only found there I mean this is just unfortunately when people do go missing in rivers it can you know the, the ways in which they are found will change infinitely yeah people tend to think because it's a river therefore it's sort of like a, a u-shape and it's just uniform and it's just like this in the landscape and in fact it's tree roots there's reeds there's animals there's high bits and low bits and shallow bits and deep bits and bits that go fast and bits that go slow and there's crevices and there's there's hollowing out under the banks and all kinds of things that can stop or slow down or speed up the movement of anything in that water whether it's a stick or whether it's a body like you say and um it's not it's not easy to understand and not very many people have ever mapped the bottom of a river after all it's pretty difficult it changes all the time especially when it's tidal like the wire is now john says it's sick and disgusting that misinformed joe public fabricate their own lies on such a tragic event certainly one way of looking at it john i think as well it's it's more pathetic than that it's and, and pathetic as in as in terms of having pathos because i think some of these people genuinely believe that they are, they're helping, you know, the, the people, some of the guy who got arrested has said that he was helping in the search for Nicola. Now, 
obviously you're not. Obviously you're trampling on the grounds of the search for Nicola. And obviously the police are better trained and better resourced and better able to do it. And they also know where they've already searched kind of thing. But it, some of it, I think, is people who just genuinely, once you get in this feedback loop on social media that we talked about, you get reinforced in your misbelief and then the misinformation you've been fed once, it keeps seeming to get reinforced and reinforced and reinforced. And you think, oh, suddenly that's the truth and there's a big conspiracy because no one else is telling me it. The reason no one else is telling you it is because it's balls. That's why. And it's just, it's very difficult for people to have that common sense moment. But as John says there, this fabricated stuff, I mean, part of it, Holly, is that the people who are there on TikTok and uh, social media and when you're when you're following news which is basically from a friend of a friend or something else that someone's liked and gets shown into your feed that is no different to hearing something from a bloke in a pub whereas when you hear it from a news source something that is a respected news outlet whether it's the mirror or the guardian or the times or the bbc or sky or whatever it might be um, that's someone that is regulated it's someone who has had some training it's someone who has uh least had a, a passing glance at where the ethics of something might lie and um they, they are checking stuff and verifying because there's just more likelihood they get sued and can cause more problems as sky and itn are finding out now and so they, they're supposed to just do better than the bloke in the pub i mean that is that's the benefit of having some kind of respectable news outlet and relying on that and we're not telling you the stuff that's tripe um rather than the bloke on the pub isn't it Absolutely. I think you said it yourself, you know, um, TikTok, the social media sites that are kind of feeding these, you know, these um, theories and videos and, and content into, uh, you know, people's feeds. Um, it's, it, it creates an echo chamber. And and you, you said you touched on it before. It creates a situation whereby these people feel that they are qualified to speculate or in some cases investigate um, the disappearance by turning up at the scene or sharing their own theories. And they convince themselves it, it is literally, you know, entering a fantasy land where because they're seeing the same things over and over again it's like a confirmation that there is something more here that their suspicions are right when they're not they're completely unfounded and they start to i think they genuinely start to see things like you said in videos where there's actually nothing there to be seen i mean we mentioned in the, in that spread this today um this video where you know you can see something and when you watch that video there's nothing there um, and and I just I wonder whether the reason that people do this is because there is um, this fascination. I mean, we we see it on TV, don't we? We watch a lot of things, you know, about cold cases and crime, mm. and and lots of sort of True um, crime is very fashionable, isn't it? Everyone's got a podcast. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I think the, the the problem with social media is that it allows us, it's a window into our lives and a window into other people's lives. And we become obsessed, uh, not just in this case, but in lots of different cases, we become obsessed with other people's lives and, and, and making our own lives more interesting. Now, obviously, when that um, is 
when we're talking about you know somebody who's gone missing or we're talking about real crimes that have been committed it's almost like they're trying to involve themselves in their own you know true crime drama but this isn't a true crime drama for Nicola's family this is just real life this is really happening no matter how exciting this might be for you to sit and consume this on TikTok this mm. is a horrible surreal reality for Nicola's family they never imagined in a million years when I sat down and spoke to her parents they could never imagine that one day they would be watching Sky News and it would be their daughter's face on the media under a missing persons appeal with absolutely no explanation or understanding of where she could have gone they were baffled you know her dad said to me we don't know what to make of it and they were just as confused by this as everybody else. I mean, the circumstances around this and the clues that were left behind, you know, her phone on a bench connected to the team's meeting call. I understand the fascination behind this case. Of course I do. I'm a journalist. I went down to the scene. We went to cover it. We made a news decision to go and cover that story. But what we need to understand when we're sharing this on social media when we're talking about this and having a debate about what's happened to Nicola Bully, we have to respect the fact that this is real life for her family and they are living this nightmare every day and now for the rest of their lives because they have lost their daughter, their partner, their mum. Yeah, the only, thank you for that, uh, Holly, quite right. The only benefit, I suppose, um, in the long run is that some of the TikToks aren't going to matter when the children get older, they'll have long gone and been replaced. But, um, you know, some of this stuff that's going to still be online when those girls grow up and they're going to have to see it. Uh, when you put stuff online, it is there more often uh, and for longer than it is sometimes when it's uh, in a print newspaper, which tends to sort of, you know, end up in the bin at the end of the day. Now, Anne-Marie says it's absolutely despicable, as if this poor family aren't going through enough. Those two little girls have lost their loved mum, and they'll see this when they're older. Plus, the police shouldn't have divulged so much about the state of her health. Very quickly before we go on to we wrap up here, Holly, um, there is some discussion there. Martin Underhill, who's a policeman who solved the Sarah Payne murder case, has said that Lancashire police should really face a full public inquiry over their handling of the whole situation. Not least, of course, as Anne-Marie mentioned there, the fact they divulged that uh, Nicola had some problems with alcohol and the menopause, which usually don't always go together and no relevance quite often to someone um, going disappearing. Uh, and didn't really help anybody find her necessarily so why did they release it kind of stuff do you think that um how are the police reacting to all this criticism i mean talk of public inquiries they've referred themselves to the independent standards for police conduct you know uh how's it has this needled them do you think or are they just getting on with the job well, I mean, they've all they've really said about it is that they've referred themselves to the police watchdog, like you say. Um, I think, you know, the, the, the thing is, is that the Home Secretary is demanding answers. MPs from uh, across all parties have demanded answers. The general public are demanding answers. I mean, this comes down to... Um, a, the fact that nobody would want their private health matters published in, you know, such a public way, um, you know, for, for everybody to see. No less to mention that not only was she struggling with health problems, but she had significant issues with alcohol as a result of that. And I think that that. 
the you know it gets to a point where the police you know three weeks into the case decide to reveal that I don't know what that added to their investigation they've not answered that question and I think they need to you know how did that help it was before the body was found I personally don't think that it helped in any way uh, to find Nicola um if anything you know had she have still been out there then if she was reading that she must she would have probably felt mortified and, and that's understandable but at the same time what we need to recognize and I think that this is really important to get across is that the menopause isn't something that anybody should feel embarrassed about you know we should all feel like we can have a conversation about our health particularly women's health and and you know speak about that openly but ultimately this was private health uh, personal information um that didn't help the investigation um and the police will need to answer in time why they decided to reveal that three weeks into the into the missing persons case yeah it just makes it sound like you know she she went wrong because of women and yeah. the, you know she disappeared because of women and that's not no, that's not how it works at all. She's, you know, and the only reason really for, for talking about that was to justify their treatment of the investigation. It was to mm. support themselves. The police released that. And I think definitely their comms needs a bit of a shake up, if nothing else. Um, mm. But we'll have to wait and see how some of that pans out, won't we? I mean, just on that point, you know, I have epilepsy. And if I went missing near a river, it may well be relevant to the investigation that I had epilepsy because they might want to look into whether I had a seizure and fell in the river. But if it's not something that you might need to broadcast to the nation that Susie Boniface had epilepsy, because that's not going to help anybody find me. You can't go and look for an epileptic. It doesn't. They are no different to anybody else. If you want people to say, well, I, I, I recognise that person from the... Uh, from the from the appeals I've seen on television, you need the description, you need the CCTV footage, you don't need to know their private health information about it. You know, it's something that might be relevant to the disappearance. It's not necessarily relevant to the search, is the yeah. thing. And that's what the the whole menopause alcohol issue, I think, may have actually even turned some people off helping with the search, which was the the damaging thing to the whole situation. But thank you for that, Holly. Thank you for taking us through it. Thank you for your comments, everybody. Now, um, we have managed to find some good news in the world. And here it is. And it's about women's problems. That's right. We don't all have a Ryan Reynolds in our back pocket. Now, I'm sure everyone in Wrexham is delighted that the Hollywood stars Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney have turned up to buy their football club. And the women, perhaps, particularly so. But not only are there going to be more women on the terraces, perhaps not watching the ball every Saturday afternoon, but now these two are helping the club's women's team, which won their last match 8-1, I should point out, and are top of the league, um, turns semi-professional and they're trying to get them into the Premier League where they get a chance to play some of the Lionesses, for example, some of the best clubs in the country. Now, Holly, is this proof, do we think, finally, that a wisecracking, good-looking multimillionaire really can solve every woman's problems? <laughs> well, I don't want to say that a man is behind uh, the, uh, the the success of these women. However, obviously, um, you know, if Ryan Reynolds decides to uh, turn up to these women's football games, I might have to change from being a Liverpool fan to a Wrexham fan. Um, it's, uh, it's certainly after the last the Liverpool score last night as well. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, I think that ultimately uh, women's football has come on uh, massively, hasn't it? Uh, since yeah. the Lionesses won 
the Euros. And um, I think that it's um, it's it's great news for the for the Wrexham girls team. Yes, exactly. And like you said, they were scoring 8-1 in their last match. So that's not down to Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney. That is down to the girls on the on the pitch. But exactly. well done for those handsome rich gentlemen for spotting their potential <laughs> and helping them turn semi-pro. I think but I think perhaps this is proof that I think Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney should probably be provided for free on the NHS. Uh, <laughs> everybody in the country, male and female, some kind of a rotor system. You know, we all get them for 24 hours. You can do what you like with them while they're there. <laughs> mm. um, but I suspect that would only last about a week because someone would just go, no, you're not leaving. And that would be it. And it was, you know, it would start off nicely, but I don't think anybody would want to share after a while. So we'd have to see, wouldn't we? If, <clears throat> maybe if uh, Rob, Brian, if you're watching, I'm happy to trial it for you. <laughs> now, uh, thank you everyone for taking part in that. We're not going to have a wrap up of any of the comments because we have some mad conspiracy theorists who have come to join us. Hi, everyone. Tinfoil hat time. This is what you call a reputable news source. And that's why we discussed what we discussed in the way we have. We're also regulated, unlike Yows. But remember, your profession, your publishers, when you're online, whatever you're doing, you have exactly the same legal and ethical responsibilities as us. But we tend to stick to them and observe them a bit more than you do. Anyway, thank you for taking us through it, Holly. Thank you for all the work you've done there for the past three and a half weeks as well. I'm sure that you're going to be back there for the inquest and as further things come out. And we'll discuss it on here. Uh, and we'll be back next Monday, everybody, for another edition of the News Agenda. So we'll see you then. Hopefully, no tinfoil hats needed. Tatty bye.